Next, you'll be hearing from school board candidate Kay Emerson. As always, the Lawrence Talks podcast is brought to you in part thanks to our partners at the University of Kansas and Douglas County CASA. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and online at lawrencetalks.org. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Okay. Thank you for joining me here today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited for our conversation. And so to get us started, could you start by telling uh, our audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So hi, um, listeners. My name is Kate Emerson. Um, I go by she, her. uh, And I am from originally from Topeka, Kansas. So no, I didn't get too far um, coming here to Lawrence. Um, But I am one girl out of a sibling set of six. So I have, that's right, five brothers. And I like to tell people I'm the oldest of the second half. So that means I, I'm, I'm number four. And uh, I'm married. I have two sons. One is 12. His name is Hendrix. And I have a toddler who is three, almost four, and named Remington. Yeah, I've been here in Lawrence for about, wow, since 2004, almost 20 years. I kind of explain myself as uh, like a community volunteer and education advocate. I went to the University of Kansas, go Jayhawks. And I got my degree in um, psychology and child development. And uh, then as a working parent um, and um, full time, um, I got my master's degree um, online um, for with human, human services. Um, and then from that, you know, I really just I've worked in a lot of different places like um, I worked at art school, um, child welfare, um, uh, with the state, vocational rehabilitation services. Now I'm focusing on something I love, uh, which is volunteerism. Um, and uh, I don't, I don't just um, involved in volunteerism. I'm involved in national service, uh, which is about taking a pledge to um, do what you can do to be a part of the solutions here here in Kansas on our most critical needs. So, uh, so yeah, I uh, I'm really excited to be here and to talk with everyone today. Um, but uh, when you ask me um, who you are. I'm just a regular person, just like you guys, uh, just trying to make some good in in our world. What compelled you to run during this ele- for this election, um, and what's, what are some of the specific issues or concerns that really motivated you, motivated you to run? Yeah. Um, so, uh, as I was saying, you know, I've been involved with our education here in, in Lawrence for almost two decades. You know, and I have done things like PTO, supported being a teacher assistant at Head Start and our early education program back over um, at East Heights when that was a thing. And to even hear more recently, like get, being involved with like the COVID-19 committee. Uh, and, and so for me, it's like as I've been leading up to this, you know, leading up to being on, being on, on the school board. Um, and so what what really prompted me, it wasn't one or two issues. It because it was because I saw a bigger need and where my experiences, um, where my ideals, um, where just how individuals in the community come to me and, you know, tell me different things about what's needed and, you know, with their own solutions. And it, it just felt like I needed to start believing in myself, needed to start believing that 
I can do more than just attend a committee meeting or several committee meetings. I can help govern and create policies um, and help, you know, provide procedures and be in these bigger conversations that have a a larger impact. Um, And so for me, it was about believing in myself and knowing that I didn't need more time. The time was now. And our community needed us, needed me. So that's why I decided to, to run for, for school board. Um, and so you asked about, you know, what issues. There are a lot of them. <laughs> As you guys know, um, we have a lot of different issues that we need to focus on um, here at, in our district. But it re- all of them come down to three things, you know. One, you know, we need opportunities. We need access to information. And we need to know that our voice is listened to and valued um, and that our students are being able to stand up and have the type of education that they want. Um, And then that we're also able to have the resources that we need. So it really comes down to those those areas of being able to focus on that opportunity access and choice and voice. So that's kind of some of those issues that I'm leaning into. It's not it's not just one or two. They all just kind of boil down into those those categories. And this question is primarily uh, about uh, perspective and the, and what what a uh, candidate part of what a candidate brings to uh, their decision making on the on the board. Do you find it important or a uh, do you think it adds anything to uh, a candidate's perspective if, if they have kids part of the public school system? I think that um, it takes all types of individuals to be part of the seven individuals that are on the school board, you know, um, that representation. But I, I, I do add that, like, having having children in in, in our school district um, matters, you know, Um, because there is, there is the life of a parent (laughs) Um, of like just something example is is simple. Um, COVID-19 has been as it has this year. We've had, you know, just last week, they report over 400 students in in quarantine. Uh, Quell Run is now um, uh, one of the cluster areas for um outbreak so if i'm a parent and communication hasn't came out because it's too late for communication to come out so i get up in the morning getting ready to go to work hopefully uh, my job pays me enough and hopefully i have pto vacation those types of things um and i go take my kid to, to school right and i get to the door and they said sorry you didn't get the communication last night but your student is now in quarantine they can't come here. What does that do to families? What did that? What does that do to the parent that now has to call their employer? And hopefully, that employer has built in some flexibility around these policies. There's a perspective as a working parent, as a parent, that if you if you don't have children, you might not really understand the, the impact. You could just live vicariously, vicariously. I think that's the word. Um, do it. And so I think that there's an added value um, to having children, um, but doesn't mean you have to have children. I, I just believe that if you're going to represent the community, 
you you have to have an understanding of of, of those dif- different things. But it also would say like, okay, do you have to be a teacher, right? To run, be on the school board? Same question. No, you don't. But are you are but are you willing to? learn those perspectives. So regardless if you have children, regardless if you were an educator, regardless of if you have an education degree or not, are you willing to get those perspectives to help you with your decision-making? So um, that's what I would say to that. And, and so this, this next question, uh, you, you brought up ideals or part of the reason why you're running in part because you felt you believe that your ideals were not necessarily being represented uh, adequately enough. And so that's what I want to get at here is, uh, and, and again, as I've mentioned before, this podcast is about getting to the foundations. And so with that in mind, what serves as a foundation for your approach to education? Um, or to put it another way, what do you take to be the purpose of education? Yeah, you know, uh, just to, to kind of re- reiterate, um, yeah, running for school board is not necessarily about, you know, my ideals not being valued or brought in. Um, I, I think there's a point to it. Um, and meaning that I think that I think that there's more that we can do. I want to be part of that solution. Um, and, and I feel that I, I can bring that forth uh, with my experience. I believe that education can help us live our best life, like being a product um, of someone who has um, moved out of poverty um, because of having access to education. Now, it wasn't easy, you know, um, but education um, at the core of our system and our system is, you know, what what are the public services that we say as a, a whole community um, that individuals should have access to and education is part of that, right? Universal healthcare, that's a whole nother conversation for another day. Uh, but education is something that we agreed upon um, because it, it, it provides those have-nots. I was having a conversation with someone about it, uh, about this earlier today. It, it provides an opportunities for individuals to have not money, housing, you know, lights, food, a, a way to better their means. Um, and it is a free resource that we provide in our community. So uh, education, uh, education is the core um, to, to our system. Okay. And, and so for, with that in mind, with that sort of general approach, um, and, and maybe, and you maybe touched on this a little bit about, this is more to get at right at it is what would you say makes for a good education? That's a good question. What makes a good education, <laughs> right? Well, it depends on who you're asking. You know, um, I think I think that there is lots of variations of what makes a good education. Um, and and so I think, you know, if we're, we're thinking about the basis of that, um, being able to, to have a say in what type of education you want to have, what you're learning, um, how that education is being administered to you. 
um, would probably be the core of that because it's that answer. It's going to be different for whoever you ask it to. And I think that's okay. We should be able to say, for me, this is what a good education is. And as a, as one person, I don't have the right to tell someone else what a right education is for them. No one should be able to do that. I understand the to sentiment, the sentiment to allow for as many perspectives about as to what makes for a good education as possible to be as inclusive as possible. I do also understand thinking about what our limitations might be to that sentiment. Like what, uh, cause you know, we know the extreme examples. We know the extreme examples of maybe that's doesn't seem to be the right sort of way to educate a child. Um, and so I was wondering if you have it, uh, at least generally in mind, uh, a sort of stopper to just what you would be, uh, be considered, uh, include to be included, to include in the, that, that way of thinking. Yeah, of course. You know, um, there should always be, there should always be parameters, uh, around, uh, around how we determine as a community what is um, what is good education, right? Um, and so I, I think about you know how how is that education leading that person um, that individual to the future that they they want? So uh, we define that as preparing a youth for um, post secondary and or career, right? You know, so what what, is, what does that mean? You know, that means your know, access to you know, arithmetic, writing, you know, access to being like something I think would be really helpful um, that is not um, not as stressed as it should be. It's specific engagement. I feel like that should be like a, bar, a bigger part, like um, of helping students know that they are part of their community, part of the decisions making that that happen here. Um you know, we do have those standards that come from us, uh, come to us by the Department of uh, Education on the federal level that has been uh, reviewed on the state level uh, in which our school board um, helps, you know, administer and implement. Um, but I, I think that uh, in those, there should be, you know, public public commentary, public, um, uh, where uh, a lot of times before there's policy changes on, on, on the federal level, there is this kind of, um, you probably know the term, and where they put it out to the public and it's like 30 days or 15 days, before, uh, or 30 or 60 days typically, um, of where it has to go and get public feedback on before they change whatever policy on something like education. It'd be great if, if we had something similar like that as well. Um, so to, to answer your question, you know, I, I believe that a good education um, will be preparing our students for either uh, career and work um, when employers are asking for uh, asking uh, nowadays from from employees, um, in addition to helping them be successful in post-secondary education. Does that help? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that that does help. That does help. Okay. <laughs> and this uh, so this next question is more based uh, kind of a, uh, a follow up from one of your earlier responses. And, and it's kind of also um, in reaction to your um, 
part of your, I guess your campaign slogan is uh, opportunity, access, and choice. At least that's what we'll say on the sign. Um, and this, so, so this more question is just to address uh, address the the concern that people uh, might get from seeing the word choice. Ooh, I love this that this comes up because it does. And when I was, um, oh, whenever I talk to people about this, they're like, okay, you should stay away from that word choice. You know, it, it means that are you for, um, are you for uh, taking, um, uh, taking uh, public funds uh, away from public education systems in order to support um, students getting going to um, private schools or being able to um, help pay for their tuition. That's not what I mean. <laughs> That's not what I mean. Um, and <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. And uh, um, I tell you, when I was picking, picking out those words, uh, everyone was telling me, okay, don't do it. Don't do it, Kay. You're gonna you're gonna get people riled up. And I was just like, oh, I was like, first of all, as a community, we have to stop letting we have to stop letting other people tell us how to think of think about things like words. You I understand that it's been polis, a, a polarized. I get it. I know there's a history there. But we don't have to keep accepting that history. If we kept accepting the history of slavery, where would I be? Still in chains, right? So when I'm talking about choice, I'm talking about students being able to have the opportunity to be supported in their pathways of learning, being able to have choice in the classroom, choice in, you know, uh, in being able to choose AP science over AP math, you know, choice to be able to, um, to decide if, if they learn better in person, great, if they would learn better remotely. And I know conversations about remote is like, you can't do it because legislation is that way. I get it. I get it. But don't we also have a duty to advocate for our needs and what we want? Don't we have a choice as public citizens, as community members to come to come together and say, you know what? I'm not going to let the, this word choice be polarized because I believe that our community can come together. So, yeah, I get it. Choice may turn some people away. And that is really unfortunate because that's not what I mean. And I hope uh, people who are listening to this podcast go check out the website or send me an email. And, and, and what I love about it, like, shouldn't you have, shouldn't, shouldn't one of the things about being a public figure or you know, is being able to start conversations? I guess that's uh, the using the word choice is just one other way to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I want, I, I personally, so personally, this is my editorial here. Uh, I want more audaciousness. I want uh, more uh, sort of like trusting people or trusting voters will uh, want to ask more questions. will want to know more. We'll, 
will want to be a bit more engaged. Sure, there are there's this there's this uh, some cynicism uh, about whether voters do enough of this or whether they're um, that's their impulse. But um, I think politicians have to go the other half have to go uh, be a bit, bit, a a bit audacious, not, not go uh, follow this boilerplate or cookie cutter way of running a campaign. Um, Yeah. And it's interesting that you uh, say that because I've never ran for anything in my entire life. Nothing. I've always did not say that was bad or anything. I, I, but it also it also kind of comes to this um op, uh, what's the word authentic authenticity authenticity of it all like um and uh, being able to give grace to people you know um, running for school board um, is an, is it's an honor <laughs> is really something exciting to do but at the end of all of this. What's at the under, uh, other end, you know, outside of <laughs> outside of, um, you know, doing it for the kids and doing it for our staff and all, all those other for, uh, warm, fuzzy things. It's time. It's a lot of criticism. Um, it's a lot of, you know, pain and heartache um, on, on the other side of this. Um, and so um, that's OK. Um, I'm ready. What what do you take your role to be uh, as a member of the school board that might is might, more general or more uh, uh, expansive than what, what we see on paper? So I was telling you how um, on a weekly basis that I are almost weekly basis. I do these episodes um, called the Voice in Space and where um we, um, I, I get an opportunity to talk to just community members um, who are doing some really awesome things, um, like being a parent. <laughs> That's a really awesome thing, you know, um, or um, starting different things, just names that we've heard. And I always ask, what does it mean to you? What would you want from your school board? What do you think they should do? Right? Because uh, at the end of the day, I feel that uh, being a school board member will... We're, we're representing the individuals in this community, right? You know, um, and being able to um, provide them that opportunity to to have a place to to bring to to bring concerns and the positives. So w- when I think about you know my role on the, on the school board. Um, I, I really want to be not I, like, I don't want to be the voice because nobody speaks for me and I don't expect anyone else to say that I speak for them, you know? Uh, but I want to be representative of the, the community views that, um, and not just the, the, the loud ones, but the ones that aren't here heard. Right. Um, and, asking questions, getting answers, figuring out like one of the big ones right now is um, uh, quarantine, right? Um, and what happens when a student is quarantined? What, what are the, what, how, what is the process for seeking an exception to the 40 hours, which is in our jurisdiction to deal with? 
You know, have we thought about that? Have we not thought about that? Um, and being honest about it and making sure that that communication is out there um, because it's just really important um, as a role uh, on the school board. It's not just to provide, to be representative of, of people's voices, but provide opportunities for individuals to engage, um, like doing something like the voice in space and where we're continuously just getting that feedback. So I can go on and on on this, this particular thought because I have had a lot of different individuals that have shared their opinions to me, but it, it, a, a lot of times the answer is to, to be able to help us say what we need to say and get the answers to these questions that we have and to, to know that there is a plan <laughs> and what the plan is. So Interesting how really that people at the, at the end of the day, if, even if they disagree with you, even if they may not share the same sort of uh, approach that you're giving, uh, a lot can be made up for in just talking to them and and telling them how you got from A to B. And, and it it, it kind of gets that accountability uh, accountability piece, you know, um, it, it, it's being able to to kind of own up, you know. To those decisions, not saying that we're not, you know, uh, I'm just saying that there could be more, <laughs> right? And and that's okay, you know, that that accountability piece is just uh, incredibly, incredibly important. Um, and being able to know that, like, even though something's not working, um, let's talk about it. Like, what's what's our exit plan out? Let's, let's, and, and they use that word a lot, pivot, you know, um, but pivoting uh, doesn't have to take so, such a long time. And it's okay to say, well, it's not working. Let's do something else. So. In addition to transparency and accountability, and you've, you've lived in Lawrence for, uh, as you mentioned, I think about 20 years and, 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 in the time of you uh, doing your show, what other values would you say the community has uh, specifically to education? Yeah. Um, so I, I, when I originally saw this question, I was like, values. Okay, values. Because um, I go back to saying that, you know, there are so many different um, value systems, the value, uh, like values that people may hold. But I think the one that is, that's resounding is acceptance. Um, being able to know that we can be who we are and be safe and ex accepted in our schools. Um, I think that's one of the bigger, the, the bigger values that we have. Um, I also think about, you know, the, the value of excellence. We want to um, not excellence just in um, how well our kids are testing, but excellence in my work environment, my living, that my pay that I get, you know, excellence in student services, um, excellence in paraeducator support. You know, like we have this value of, of wanting to be the best that we can be be accepted uh, as we are and, and be safe in our community, you know? Um, and, and I think that we value community, but in all of these categories, we have so much work to do. 
I, uh, it's interesting um, because on, on top of that, it, make, it makes me think it's like school should be like an art lab. You go in, you explore, you create beautiful things. And at the end of the day, they say, you did a wonderful job. Here's your certificate. However you created what you want with your own choices of colors, paint brushes, you know, and, and they all get to stand in the gallery. Yeah, no, and I, I, I think that speak to the idea, so your idea of, of choice and learning, uh, I could also imagine that that develops within students, this idea of being self-directed and thinking about which direction they want to, they want to go in with their life, which maybe we don't do enough of, or isn't done enough of in terms of uh, inviting students to think about the path that they, that they want for themselves. You know, as a, um, a career and education consultant by trade, <clears throat> um, I, I could tell you, you know, um, yeah, we don't do enough of that. You know, it's like, we wait to high school um, to really start to try to mold that out. Like maybe a little bit of sophomore year, junior, senior year. And by that time, it starts to get a little too late, you know? Um, and so it's like, how do we take that ideal and embed it all through our, our education system? There's a way, you know, um, because our students have in- interests, they have strengths. But they also need to know that they have, they have, you know, the right to being able to figure figure out what they want to do on their own with our guidance. You know, we're supposed to be guides and helping them prepare for what comes after after secondary education, right? Um, so why do we wait so long? Why do we wait until they're almost out of our out of our system? shouldn't be that way. Agreed. Agreed. So this next question is about your approach to being on the board, because being on a board is a different dynamic. Uh, You have to, obviously you have to work with others, but you also have to, uh, from time to time, convince them of that a certain direction is worth going in. And so this is more of a question, a general question about what is, how do you hope to approach that dynamic um, and what are some ways that you find it helpful to argue in favor uh, of one of your one of your initiatives, basically trying to convince uh, others in, in your sort of approach? Yeah, you know, a lot of the things that um, a lot of the decisions um, that happen on the school board happens before they even get into the room. Right. You know, um, there's discussions that occur, um, but a lot of times people come in that room already knowing how they're going to decide on whatever decision. Um, last year, it was a little bit more of an anomaly to, to that. So I'm a stats person. Um, I, I, I believe that, you know, numbers are neutral or impartial. Um, and so I like to uh, and I also believe, OK, cool but show me the evidence, right? Uh, so uh, my approach uh, kind of goes to uh, my research-based self um, and being able to not only have um, conversations and, and committees, but being able to bring forth um, different different ideals. And evidence doesn't always have to be something that you read, right? Or some published article. Um, it's also the voices 
other people in the community that says, this is my firsthand experience. Guess what? Um, we don't have uh, uh, enough pairs in this classroom to make sure that the students are receiving the IEP services. Um, we're having to make safety calls. And then you go and you see it for yourself and you're like, uh-huh, yep, that's, that looks about right. So, you know, there, there's a lot of different evidence. Or like, for example, I was on a conversation uh, with someone yesterday that was talking about, um, and this is just um, a mother that I got in contact with or, you know, just like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Let's have a conversation. Um, we had a conversation about, you know, uh, quarantine um, and what what are the real experiences and how are the how are these conversations not making it to the the, the board table as the ongoing discussion right um and so we talked about like okay so how can we get a pulse on that from from the community do we have to wait for the school district to come out with their own survey that they're going to survey the, the the families no we we're citizens um, and we can create something ourselves and ask people in our community about it, you know? And so I think that uh, how do we get different initiatives? Um, there's a lot of different strategies that, that you can take, but we, you, in my governing, it, it's going to be more than just one type of, of method. Um, it's going to be based on, you know, evidence conversations, you know, um, and really just saying, okay, so why, why, why isn't this something that we should be talking about? Um, and again, my goal is not necessarily to say, to take what I want, um, and get it through. It, it's about being able to have our community be able to weigh in on what, what needs to happen and how it needs to happen. Um, and that, and that's, that would always be my goal is to be able to make sure that that's being represented and being put forth. You know, it's going to be on the agenda. You know, it's ideally it's going to be on the agenda for, for like, you know, within the next month, right? Like having, having a pulse on what's going on in the community. If you're staying engaged and at the end of the day, we, as school board members, you have to stay engaged beyond just a luncheon, you know, um, and that's being available and accessible to the, the individuals who are receiving our services. Given these disparities, do you think moving to a district-based system might be helpful in addressing some of these issues? I think I think here, you know, this idea of representation and perceived representation kind of goes back to our our people, um, our different parts of the community being being represented. Um, and there is a lot of statistics um, that says that why this um, because historically people who are able to run for elections are the ones with means to run for for an election, right? Um, and so if you are able to go to a vote to an large district and where uh, meaning that if you are running for school office you're not only uh, you are appealing to everyone in the city including Baldwin and Lecompton or I go, I go back and forth on, on this side though you know when it comes to the school board in the last 10 years we have seen great movement to allowing and voting for other individuals um from different walks of life to be on uh, the school board, specifically people of color, men and women, and that is that's positive. You know, that's 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 a good thing. But then there's the question of okay, if you if I'm from 
Woodlawn or if I'm from Kennedy or East Lawrence um, or uh, Langston Hughes, if I'm from these other, uh, like, how would we, how would we determine the district? You know, whose benefit is that going to be? I don't know. And so I, I don't really think I have a, like, kind of a straight answer here just because there are the ideal representation for our school board uh, when we have steadily moved towards allowing additional representation on our school board over the last decade makes me makes me say you know maybe this maybe it is working what we we have and maybe our city is looking um to ensure that there's representation from all different walks of life the city commission uh which i won't speak on too much um is quite a bit different um very different as it, as it relates to the benefit of having representation but Nonetheless, statistically, it doesn't seem to improve um, representation, having at-large elections versus district elections. There hasn't been any definitive answer saying that that moving towards one versus the other really improves the overall representation on the board. Yeah, and that's that's basically um, didn't want a definitive answer, but just sort of like what are. What do you think are some of the questions that would need to be and the issues do you think are important to consider and even determining whether that that should be explored or not? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely something uh, we should always look into different options to say, you know, how can we be more inclusive? How can we expand our representation, you know, in all uh, in all of our um, governing bodies, not just, you know, city commission and school boards. There's also other very important boards in our communities, like our library board um, or who is who is on our um, like junior achievement. So there's so many other places in addition to city commission and school boards that we should be asking this question to, you know, um, how are we going about ensuring that we have a representation um, from all different walks on this board, um, but how we get there. And if it's a, it isn't at large or I mean, that's who knows. Um, but we should always investigate um, ways to be more uh, inclusive in our practices. This question is just about what is, your approach or what is your sort of uh, general thought process about what it means to improve or maintain the well-being of staff and students? Yeah, I really, um, when I see the questions, I really like this one, actually. Um, so I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so you may know, you may not know, I have, I'm involved in a lot of different committees and so not just the COVID-19 committee. I'm also the chair uh, of the parents uh, of color for the district. I'm on the district site council, the curriculum council, and uh, I, I like uh, other uh, array of different things. So I'm always in these meetings going, okay, that's cool. But what does that mean? And how are we going to measure it? I'm always that person. <laughs> when uh, when you said, okay, so what do we mean by well-being? And how would we go about ensuring that? Um, or how would I go about ensuring how, how we can improve on that? Um, the well-being of our staff, teachers, and students. I go, first of all, how are we defining well-being? And who gets to decide how we define well-being? And shouldn't that be the people who um, are the well-being that we are trying to define for? Like, you know, the teachers, the staff, and the students are telling us what well-being means to them. And then from there, okay, now we have some definitive um, achievable goals to work at. People are saying, you know, 
priorities is where you put your money at, you know, put your money where you put your mouth. Um, and so I, I think it kind of goes to that. And one thing that we have heard is resounding from our community. Uh, we need to prioritize our teachers and staff. And that means budgeting accordingly. So I, I think I think I'll say that on this question. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's what it tends to to be about anyways is, well, it, if we're going to talk about well-being of a given party or group, we should ask that group what, they, what, what it means for them. Uh, that's at least one place to start. This next question is about the issue of critical reasoning and critical thinking. Do you find that it should be or that schools should focus, it on, focus on it more? Or do you think that it's something that it's already been done, but just needs to be, have more greater focus on it? As someone that used to um, work in, in employment, and so again, this is going this is going to my time uh, with vocational rehabilitation services, and um, our goal uh, was to help individuals uh, with disabilities from, you know, the uh, twenty four months uh, from um, post uh, secondary. So that's you're thinking our juniors all the way up until someone doesn't want to work anymore, um, and helping those individuals identify their strengths their interests um, to decide, you know, what does that employment goal look for them? Employers want critical thinkers. They want individuals who are, can be self-directed. They want individuals who can look at a issue and say, maybe we should do this. Um, and they, they want to be able to have individuals who um, are engaged in the work, not just um, someone that just comes in and just does the work most of us, right? And yes, on the collegiate level, uh, critical thinking does come into play when you're writing and explaining things. Um, I probably get way more into the explaining things <laughs> when I'm writing. They're like, hey, stop explaining, just get to the point. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and so my point is, 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 is yes, you know, we, we should be uh, uh, doing something to help um, build in critical thinking, you know, uh, but it goes to time, you know, um, how can, and it also kind of goes to, uh, one of the things I talk about in my campaign is being able to expand out our demonstrations of, of learning. Um, and so that means that, uh, our, Let's get away beyond, or not just get away, but um, I mean beyond just standardized testing and being able to bring in more project-based learning um, and where students are like being able to get in from the class and, you know, show to kind of defend the work, you know, um, and saying, this is what I, this is what I did, this is how I did it. Um, and this is, this is what, you know, and that kind of pulls out some of those critical thinking skills. And, and that's just, and like, an example, right? Um, because that builds that that builds individuals who are able to mm, think for themselves, are able to be more self-directed, um, and able to be a part of our system. And this kind of goes back to you know teaching things like civic uh, civic engagement, and, and, and not just civics. Let's talk about U.S. history, but let's 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 mm, sit down and uh, let's create a campaign about why you think that we should drink less soda, you know, just uh, those types of, those types of, um, learning. But again, um, 
our educators have to have more opportunities, more plan time to to facilitate this type of work. Um, and then that kind of gets back to how we structure things. And it's not, you know, um, in a personal, it's not the 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 us versus them is our structure and we and as a school board member we get to be part of that conversation um and specifically right now we have um i believe language language arts um is in one of more of the final parts of a re- review on the curriculum side here in usb 497 um so that's a that's a someplace that we can start not let's just talk about what books we're bringing in but let's talk about how we are um also in, uh, expanding out our demonstration of learning for students and ensuring that our teachers have the time to plan and facilitate that type of learning thank you for that and so final question um if there and it's an easy question uh and it's more about what do you hope uh, that our audience, uh, our listeners take away uh, from our conversation, either about you uh, or your campaign? Um, uh, this is a really good question uh, as well. One, yes, so for me, as one of your three choices for school board, that'd be awesome. Um, but also, you know, more importantly, you don't have to run for school board to be part of the solution. You don't have to have kids in our school district to be part of the solution. Uh, the needs in our schools is a community issue, okay? Um, and we all have a part to play. We all have skills. We all have, ex, you know, viewpoints. You know, we might even have funding or partnerships that we can bring to the table. We all are part of the, the solution and this problem is all of ours. So let's do what we can to, to come together and and do something about it because we need you. We can't do this without you. And thank you. Okay. Thank you for for joining me today and uh, having this wonderful conversation about you and your campaign for school board. Well, thank you, David. It's, it's been a really a delight and I hope uh, that we can have more conversations in the future and for future endeavors that you also might have. <laughs> Plan on it.